So I think just Taylor's Taylor's response to the underhook changed, and I think that changed the whole match. And I think it put Gazdani in panic mode, like, I'm not going to be able to just push this guy around with the underhook. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Brian Medlin, the head coach of the Illinois RTC, one of the most respected minds in the freestyle and Greco game. And in this episode, Coach Medlin and I break down the 2022 World Championships. Coach Medlin has an intimate knowledge of senior level wrestling and has been to Russia so many times that he's actually watched a number of these guys that we're going to talk about practice. So I hope you enjoyed this breakdown with Coach Brian Medlin. Fan of the week goes to our friend Lamont MMA. That's at Lamont MMA on Instagram, based out of Lamont, Illinois. They're a mixed martial arts gym, a fan of this podcast, someone who's constantly giving us love on Instagram. So thank you very much. Go to Lamont MMA on Instagram to check out the camp they're hosting with Kyle Dake coming soon here. So if you want to learn from the four-time world champ Kyle Dake, go to Lamont MMA on Instagram. This episode is presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat is hosting the Castleton Fall Classic out in Castleton, Vermont, Sunday, October 16th. If you're in Vermont, check out SpartanCombat.com to register. Now let's get to this episode with Coach Brian Medlin. Brian Medlin, great to have you back, sir. Awesome. It's great to be here. Yes, yes indeed. World's just happened. You ran an Ironman. <clears throat> we got college students back on campus. We got all kinds of stuff happening, so I figured to have you on here and let's chat a little bit wrestling. Awesome, man! It's always a always a good day when you can do that. Yes, sir. So let's just uh, we'll go kind of weight by weight in freestyle. I got to get your thoughts on what's going on with the Greco situation, where you know, we had a coach at the trials, a different coach after the fact. I don't really know what's going on, so maybe we could actually just start there. What what's transpired with the Greco program since spring through now? Well, um. From my understanding is they hired Ivan Ivanov as the general manager of the program um, to pretty much oversee everything. But then once he took over, I feel like maybe USA Wrestling decided they didn't need two people in pretty similar roles. And they subtracted Matt Lindland's role, from what I understand. I'm not sure if they're planning on putting somebody in it or just Ivan 
would um, absorb that role. Not a, not 100%, but, uh, you know, Yvonne is probably the best coach of any coach I've ever been around. And that's freestyle, folk style, Greco. Um, he's the... He's the guy who made up all the plays things, the bags and the balls. And, you know, all of that came from his mind. And, you know, he has the ability to kind of foresee the future and develop a plan for it. So, you know, he came in about a month and a half ago. And, you know, I think maybe the culture of USA Greco wasn't exactly where it could have been. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a culture shock to a guy like him. He's a businessman. He comes in, he expects very strict very rigid things. And it, you know, it was a little bit of a clash for the people that were on it. And, you know, uh, I believe in what he's going to do. Um, you know, I'm, I, I think he's, like I said, I, I very, I very much value him as a coach. I very much value his opinion um, throughout the past few years. I've known him. I knew him when he was a competitor. He's a great competitor, but he's even a better coach. So, um, you know, it's going to take a few years. You know, I think, I think we'll see progress within the next year but I don't expect it very soon. I mm-hmm. think you're going to see some people that might even leave. You know, we lost Tracy Hancock and I know that was to the WWE. I'm not hundred percent. The timing of it seemed weird that it didn't have, it didn't evolve um, Yvonne at all. But, you know, I think in the end, he's going to do what he's always done in coaching, which is develop a great program. So he was very instrumental. The last year we won it in 2007, he was our developmental coach then. Um, had a lot to do with the guys on the team getting over humps that they were currently not being able to get over. And then after that, every medal that we had up until maybe Adam Kuhn, he had coached a guy. You know, he had coached Andy Bezik, he had coached Spencer Mango, he coached Adam Wheeler and all the rest of these guys. So he's really the only coach in America that has proven success. And, you know, it's what we need. We don't need the guy that was good in Greco, we need the guy that can develop people in Greco. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I'm all in, I think he's, I think he's a great coach and uh, he's got an uphill battle, but I believe in him. So. And like you said, you might see a few guys leave first and maybe an an even, you know, another down year. I mean, that's, if you look at any of these great coaches, you know, Belichick, even when uh, Theo Epstein, you know, GM got to the Cubs, they all go down for a little bit first until the new culture can come in. And so, Let's not freak out people if we start uh <laughs> I see people online just losing their minds. But like, the guy's been there six weeks. You know, what do you what do you expect? So Yeah, and uh he worked so hard the first or second week that he put himself in the hospital. And then <laughs> yeah, like in traction, his back was in traction. And he was emailing me. I had a question, just a random question for him um about four weeks ago. And he was emailing me at like 1 30 in the morning from his hospital bed. <laughs> this guy works like nobody else. Like he's a hustler. Like he, he has a very strategic plan in his head, but he's willing to be there with the athletes. And I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take everyone seeing everything that this guy will put in. And it's easy to buy into people that are willing to do the work with you. So, you know, not that, you know, coach Linlin, I really liked him, but you know, this is our new guy. And if, if, if Lindland, I was in on whatever Lindland was doing, but now I'm in on whatever Yvonne's doing. And I really do believe in him. So, yeah. And you said he was involved with the 07 program. Who, what, what was like the, if you look at the guys who were on that 07 team that won the worlds, were, what was the makeup of that? Were they all living out at the OTC? I mean, how did that happen? Some of, them, some of them were, I think a lot of them were, but you know, it's, it's weird because you get the old, you know, you can't, 
wrestle folk style and wrestle Greco. Like you have to wrestle. That's bullcrap. Every single one of those guys wrestled in college. You know, if you look up the lineup, it was Lindsey Durlacher was All-American here, you know, and you go all the way up the lineup through Rees and Varing and, you know, even Harry Lester had a little stint out of Iowa State. Every single guy, T.C. Danzer wrestled in Northern Illinois. Every guy that wrestled um, on that team wrestled in college. So, uh, you know, I think that 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 is a myth that just kind of needs to be overcame. And in fact, they can kind of help each other out. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing is college wrestling can develop athleticism and develop toughness and grit and a lot of things, but it takes a bridge. It takes somebody that's willing to kind of be the gap between college and Greco, you know, and, and you know, I think a guy like Yvonne could figure out a good game plan to get those guys in. And I've got some ideas he's asked me um, to share with him. And, uh, you know, I think it would be good. You know, it's going to be good for America. It's really easy to – it's a good thing about being at the bottom. It's pretty easy to show progress, right? You know, if <laughs> yeah. we win, I think next year if we win, like, three matches, we, we won more. You know, so, like, it's not real hard, you know, yeah. to show a bunch of progress. So, hopefully we do that. Well, you're you're the most knowledgeable guy I know with Greco. So, if you're behind him, I'm behind him. And, like, man, if he was involved with the last one and he has all this experience, let's give him a shot. So, I'm give excited about it. Give him, give him four years and – you know, to be honest, if, it, if four years from now we're still in the same place, then I think he would he, he'll quit. He won't he won't need to be kicked out. <laughs> so, but I don't think we will be. I think four years from now we'll be looking at a different landscape. Yeah. Well, and if you look at the freestyle landscape, you know they were. Now I'm doing a project now. You know, around like the 2007 to 2010 timeline, freestyle back in those days, we were lucky to win some matches. You know, lucky yeah. to win a, a medal once in a while. Now, oof, what a team we have right now. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy to think back just, you know, 12 years, you know, 10 years ago when we were struggling just to, to, to be in the conversation. But a lot of, a lot of hunters behind me, hunters behind the computer, and he started doing this. He's like, you know, once RTCs, and I think Zeke Jones had a lot to do with that. You know, once once we got RTCs paying for athletes to to train, and you know, it was it was a it was a big plus for USA Wrestling. Plus, like I said, I don't know, I think I talked about this on another podcast. Is just Bill Zadick and Joe Russell are the perfect combination of coaches to be in the role that they're in. You know, they're they're they really um, emphasize what each other does really well. Um, I think, you know, you got Joe is, is very loving and very lighthearted, but he's still serious. But at the same time, you know, and every characteristic he has, uh, Bill Zadig mirrors the opposite. So, you know, I think that those guys are just, and they're servants. They're, they're, they're a big reason why we've, we've even pushed further than that, like, 2016 push where we were really looking good in 2016. I think we're going to keep continuing to get better. And they've got James Green in there right now, which from all everything I've heard of people that have been around him as a developmental coach, he's going to be great. So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely rolling in the right direction. Yeah. And I was, I always wondered what role coach Zadig plays um, during the year, you know, outside of the worlds and the training camps and, and maybe you know better than I do, but is it a lot of like working with James Green and like laying out a structure and a plan, or is he going overseas with these guys at tournaments throughout the year? He does both. Um, and it, if it isn't Zadik, it's Joe Russell that does, you know, I think they, he lays out the plan for team USA. 
And, mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody that's on the national team is expected to be at camps, is expected to, to run the practice, to do the practice that he runs. You know, he sets up all the practices. He's the one showing technique at, at all of them. And it kind of has a vision of, of what everything is supposed to look like, you know, from we get up early in the morning and you watch film of things that are kind of trends right now. You know, he's got, he's got an overall vision of what the camp looks like. But then once the camp is over, you go back and you work individually with your own staff and everything else. And he gives, gives a lot of leeway to coaches in that aspect, but you know, he's, he's got it under control of what kind of is the recipe for success right now at, at the international level. So he does a good job of, of, policing everybody yeah man it's it's just awesome to see and he's been there a while joe russell i've had his brother on dan i do not know a lot about joe russell other than some well, you of gotta the have him on man i'm dude. telling you he'll 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 uh he'll be one of your best episodes he's so funny he's just man. such a funny guy and just he's got an unbelievable story too like and i don't want to spoil it so i'm telling you get him on like i've heard bits and pieces cool. i will i definitely will it's an amazing it's an amazing story so, and he was at Minnesota with J Rob during that run, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. So it'll be it'll be interesting from the wrestling aspect. Plus he's just such a such a funny good dude too. So Yeah. Man, well it's cool to see all those guys out there. And you're so proud of Team USA these days. And if we go down the lineup, you know, Gilman looked dominant the whole tournament. What did you know about this Abakarov before the finals? Um, you know, he's a former Russian. Um I'm not really sure if he's Dagestani. We trained with him maybe two years ago in Ossetia at one of those camps. Um, he's Dagestani. Um, I'm not not 100 percent like what he's what he had done in Russian nationals. I know he's still pretty young, um, but the tournament he had was unreal. I mean, he he starts off with uh, with Ravi and and just pretty much every hurdle that was thrown in his way he just blasted through. So I think. Uh, you know, he had a great tournament and just had a good game plan for Gilman. I think, you know, he handled his collar tie really well and, you know, was super impressive the whole, the whole thing. So it never, Gilman never really got going. He never allowed him any, any chance. He didn't, he didn't have those big lulls and scores where people kind of get ahead of, of Gilman and try to hold on. He right. was, he was keep trying to improve his position and, you know, he, anybody that has a great arm throw like that is going to be right there with, any of the U.S. guys, because a lot of our U.S. guys are are very collar tie orientated. So, you know, his his arm throws was, was was pretty nasty all tournament. So, it's funny you say that because when I think about like core skills that every wrestler should have, never once do I think about the arm throw. But it's probably commonplace in Eastern uh, Eastern Europe and Russia. And so, is that something yeah. there just a, a core skill that they have? Yeah. The. Uh... The arm throw, I mean, they, they practice a lot of Greco just because Greco's in their program. You know, they do a lot of Greco at the beginning of, of practices and things like that. But for the most part, I think that they they really concentrated it on us because we're known for being super heavy-handed. You know, I can remember we were in the Medved the last time I think USA went, and there was a lot of our guys got arm through, like, kind of right off the bat, you know, and mm. I – it's a big deficiency of ours. It's just, we don't feel it as much in the U S at least not feel it at a high level. So, so, cause I mean, once you start getting arm throw, like I thought Gilman did a great job of not exposing, you know, but it is such an awkward thing to be able to write your hips and to be able to land on your knees. Cause if you land on your knees, it's no points. So Gilman landed on his hips. So it's two points, but you know, like I said, it's, 
it's one of those things that you need more people to try arm throws on you to, yeah. to get the feel of it defense wise. Yeah, and it's like you do love how offensive the Americans wrestle at this tournament. Like a lot of matches that I think about um Musakayev, like I, I just wanted to see him <clears throat> turn it on because I know he's so good. Like when you but you know the aggression does lead to to a, you know arm throws and also slide bys once in a while too you know I think I think back to uh, going way back to Satiev in '95 he had like four slide bys on Leopold like within like the first period and it's like the slide by is is super effective and you see that working against the Americans once in a while yeah for sure for sure but I think you know if you saw in the corner you saw Bill Zadek with a piece of paper you know. I think he tries to kind of um, take note of everything he's seeing kind of in the moment. A lot of times you'll see him being the second coach, and I'm sure that's one thing they're going to hit on before the World Cup at one of these training camps. So Yeah. Yeah, no, and then Michik, I was surprised to see him down at 57. Man, that dude is he is cutting some weight, boy. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, and, the, and, it, and it showed, I mean, the first day – when he had to wrestle a few matches in a row, it was difficult. But then you saw him the second day, he looked like a 74 kilo guy, you know, just <laughs> big neck, big shoulders, looked like he ballooned up. So, you know, I, I, I heard somebody say that was it for him at 57, that he's heading up towards 65 now. But I heard that before too. So I don't know. I, don't know. I heard that after the Olympics, but like, why would you go 57 in the world championships when you're still several years out from the Olympics, you know, like, why would you not just go 61 now? Yeah. I, I, I think maybe that may, you know, wrestlers in the heart of the, in the heat of the moment might say like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. And then you get a couple months away and it's like, all right, I could do it again. But <laughs> um, I think it was a big deal to have since, uh, since the world was in Serbia to have a medalist from Serbia and they did so well in Greco that, you know, I think having a freestyle medalist was a big deal. Um, I know he takes a lot of pride in being from Serbia, so that might have played a factor in. But, yeah. you know, I just think when, you know, he's been small for, you know, wrestled 41 in college and wasn't really a small 41 whenever he wrestled, that it just might just wear on you mentally more than physically at this point, getting getting your weight back down. But I wouldn't be surprised either way to see him, see him in either one. I think he's a pretty natural 61, but, you know, after that, you got to make a decision. So. Yeah, yeah. Sixty-one is is a really interesting weight from if you look at it from the U.S. perspective. Gross was out there this year, and he took some shots. Man, he was out there putting up some wins, and you got to tip your hat to him in his first Worlds. What what were your expectations for Gross heading in? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like he's got a style that a lot of foreigners are not going to be used to. You know, he he gets to the leg or lets you to the leg and he just kind of figures things out from there. You know, he's a really good scrambler, you know, but I think, uh, you know, the guys that like uh, Higuchi, I knew Higuchi was going to be a big problem because his finish rate is, is really good. And I knew the Armenian, they ended up beating him later. Um, he doesn't really hit a knee very much. So he just doesn't let you scramble. So mm -hmm. the guys that kind of beat him were the guys that you, you were looking at that if he could beat that guy, then that that system could work against him. It's just, you know, he was right there winning against Suguchi. You know, I think that that's, that's a match he can get back. It's just he's probably going to have to tighten up a few things to, to compete with that Armenian. And, you know, there's other good guys, you know, the best, probably the two best in the world are sitting in Russia right now, just 
you know, probably fuming about about what's going on. So who's uh, that? Who's that at sixty one? Well, one of one of them's Megan Madoff, who the guy who beat um, Dayton Fix last year. Um, he's won handful of of age group worlds and then won a senior worlds last year. Um, he's he's one of those guys. He's stuck between sixty five and fifty seven, so he's probably going to be a sixty one forever. I don't really know, know how he gets up to sixty five, but his drag is is amazing. He he's he's won a lot. Won won the Oregon. Won won a bunch of really big tournaments. So he just took second. He actually lost in the Russian Nationals to another guy who who tilted him at the end. Both those guys arguably are the best in the world, but you know, yeah, they can't come. So. Man, we'll talk about that because me and you are on the same page with that one, man. Like it's you hate to see what's happening to these poor Ukrainian people, but the athletes had nothing to do with that. So like, let's why do we? It's tough to lay the blame there, and it's I think it was made pretty early that decision to let or to ban Russia, and next year the worlds are supposed to be in Russia. So like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just hope they find out a way to get these guys back in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the big thing is they can't do anything about it, and this didn't work. You know what I mean? Like banning them. You know all the sanctions and everything that's happened to Russia. What didn't change their mind, you know, and and didn't didn't change the direction of the war. And I'm I'm not into politics. I don't try to pretend to know what I'm talking about when that comes to that. But I know a lot of these Russian athletes, and they're good people. And their clock is ticking just like our clock is ticking. And some of them just were robbed of the only opportunity that they may ever have to win a world title. And that's a that's a life changing thing when you put your whole life into it. So it's kind of sad to see and. Hopefully we uh, we get some common sense out there and, you know, understand that these it's not keeping them out ain't doing anything. So, right. I mean, especially <clears throat> winning a world title here is huge. And, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, the Olympics and the worlds in the U.S. But, you know, living a winning a world medal, if you live in Dagestan or Ossetia is a whole nother level. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, you know. And I don't want to get into political things, but they they said, well, you know, these athletes should protest. And I'm like, well, would you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you get the, you want your family thrown the yeah, back of want, a truck. You want or something? all your money gone. You want <laughs> you know you to get possibly assassinated. You know, because the same person that's doing that on Twitter that's telling me, hey, they should protest and blah blah blah. You know, you're in America. You could fly over to Ukraine if you wanted to. I'm sure they'd take you right now. You know, I mean, it's just it's easy to say that you would do something. But, you know, and and none of them that I talk to support what's going on. I mean, that's the thing is that all my friends that are coaches, all my friends that are athletes, they want this over way more than we do because it's their brothers that are over there dying. It's their brothers that they haven't talked to and there's no communication with. So Mm -hmm. that's just a sad situation. And on top of that, you know, you take away everything you've ever worked for all in one moment and you have no control over it. So just seems like something we could be smart about as far as UWW and let them in. I know some other governing bodies are doing it now and hopefully we follow suit. Yeah. I know the soccer world cup is this winter. I wonder what situation is going to go down there. I don't know. I think everybody's just waiting for one, one, one kind of open the gate and then just be like, all right, this, this, this makes sense. So and going back to 57, of course, we got to mention Odoguru, or not Odoguru, um, Ugo- Ogoyev from Russia. You know, he he yeah. beat Gilm at the Olympics last year. He's, I don't know if he's lost many times in the past couple of years. He's as solid as they come. No, yeah, no, he hasn't. Um, just, yeah, it's one of those guys, like, I hope when you see him next, he's the same version of himself in 2021. 20, 
you know, like that's the thing is if you don't have a world championships to train for and you know, you're not training for, and, and yes, they're going to continue to wrestle and they're going to, but I don't know if you keep sharp like that, you know, I, and he is the best in the world. I mean, he's the, he's the top of the top of the leaderboard. And, you know, I think it's kind of sad to keep him out, but, you know, thinking about like the matches, like just as a fan, like how excited I was when I saw the bracket and saw Gilman had Ogoyev. Like I was just, I was yeah. so excited, but I knew like looking at the brackets this year, I was just kind of like bummed. I was like, yeah, you could have been thinking about, oh man, Sadek is on the same side as Sadakov, you know, oh, like, but man. you just didn't do that. Or Burroughs is on the same side as Kata Mega Madoff or, you know, whatever, Goyev and, and Gilman are going to meet in the finals. Like whatever that is, like that just kind of keeps you excited about the sport and just not having those huge marquee matches where it was a big deal to me. But, yeah. And on top of that, the, you know, the world's every year, the first year after the Olympics are always going to be a little down in terms of some Olympic champs. We didn't see like We didn't see Otoguru. Do you think overall there was like a, a decline in level between some of the Eastern Bloc countries that we normally see like Azerbaijan, Georgia, like those type of countries? Yeah, I think so a little bit. And I did notice that there were some guys that took, took this year off even. And, and, there, there are guys that had Russian ties that didn't that didn't wrestle. So maybe it's just them being back, just be, getting on a different training cycle. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not 100 percent how how Dagestan is is looking at it or Osetti is looking at it. But you know, I know that they're training. But you know, maybe they just didn't feel like they were 100 percent ready because a lot of those guys do their main part of their training in in those home cities. So yeah, no, I think it was definitely a little bit more down than. It wasn't as down as the one in Oslo. The Oslo one was, was, and that was even had Russia in it. But I felt like that one had some just surprise, surprise. Very light, yeah. But, yeah, but they, uh, it, it did have a little bit more of the of like the Asian countries brought a little bit more of their A team, and you know, I think, uh, I think Otegiro and a few of those other guys maybe had injuries. I've been hearing, but I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. Well, even the other country besides Ru- Russia that was banned is it Belarus, mm-hmm. which is at seventy four, also very important because that's who took out Dake right at the Olympics. Yeah, so he he wrestles seventy nine now. Um, so you would oh, we would have wow. saw him in Burroughs, which would have been an amazing match, you know. And he wrestled the same day as the Worlds. The Medved tournament happened in Belarus the same day, and he was like doing all these just like these video game moves of like carry, like standing up and carry and like jumping over the guy. And like, it was pretty awesome to watch him do it, you know, but just heartbreaking to think because those two were the best, like Burroughs blew through his weight. So like, I would think that they would have met at some point. There was no, there was no hurdles. One of them would have fell to. You don't think that dude will go back to 74 though for uh, Paris? Yeah. He will, but he's going 79 from what I heard until now. So and I is he, he goes 74. I mean, maybe he wants a piece of Taylor. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> He's crazy. Now, is uh is he a, a Dagestan guy or is he born and raised in He's Dagestan guy? Okay. Okay. He, he beat Sadakov in 2017 in this really weirdly reft match that and Sadakov beat him at the Oregon uh the next year. Um had 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 some success, but 74 kilos at the time and 70 kilos at the time in Russia, unbelievably difficult. So, you know, he had never really won the Russian nationals or anything like that. But I think when he got a little bit bigger and he is bigger now, you know, I think a lot of his style got 
really blown up as he got a little bit of size to him. So. That Dake match was so weird. Yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of like a train wreck you saw coming. Like if you knew, you. It was very interesting to think about a guy that was so good from overhook pressure. And that's something Dake is so good at is underhook pressure to see where it went. And then I think once those first couple matches, once those first couple scores happened, it just kind of one of those things I think it got away from Dake. Instead of Dake taking a breath and relaxing and being like, all right, just score a point and not think about it. You know, I think he, he let the emotions of the match get to him maybe a little bit. I mean, just judging from the outside a little bit. But, you know, it was a strange match, but it was one of those things like that guy is really good in that position. And, you know, Dake's going to – it'll be interesting to see if he goes back there if they wrestle again. But that's the thing is like that first sequence was crazy. But even then, Dake is so composed, like 4-0, he can come back from that. You know, then you just yeah. saw some weird stuff happening. And, you know, he may have been hurt. I know there was talk about that. But either way, you got to see what you saw in the match. And it was just like, man. And the – in the like is, Bel- it's Belarus or Belarus? I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it um, correctly. It's Belarus. But Belarus. People are Belarusian. Okay. So this dude, though, I mean, typical Russian type dude doesn't look like much either. You know, like you're like, who the heck is this guy? But of course, you know, they're solid. He wins. And then, you know, you just never bet on a former Dagestan guy beating a current Team Russia guy. Like no. that's just, you know, so Sidikov handled him in the finals. And I think they wrestled again, right? Yeah, I mean, Sadakov just, if you watch the difference, like Sadakov wouldn't pressure with his underhook. He would get underhook, get head position, and then it would just let it came down to like, he actually kind of, I think he kind of shot his just head outside shot from it, but it wasn't, he didn't pressure at first. And I think that's where that guy kind of makes his money. So, yeah. Well, we skipped over uh, 65, which is to me one of the most fun weights in the world. And definitely at this tournament, it was. Even yeah. the quarters had matches going on. You're like, holy smokes. Um, Yanni, controversial match one, but we can all admit that. Gets through that. I think people are skipping over what he did to Bajrang was eye-opening to me, man. That yeah. was crazy. Yeah, it was like he he was a different wrestler from the Beat the Streets match, for sure. Right. You know, his, his timing and just kind of stayed on his legs, didn't, didn't get away from a game plan. It seemed like, you know, just – Russell a really tight match. You knew you knew something was different then. I, I you felt you felt it. But yeah. And the, and the guy who wrestled first Tavanian from Armenia, who's you know, he's one of the best in the world too. So and then oh, he, he's a guy. Yeah, okay. Do he reminds me of like the build of a of a Musa Kayaf where like the strength must be unbelievable. The speed is you can't even believe it. Like when they go, it's like un it's just unbelievable how like compact and explosive these guys are at 65 kgs from like those eastern europe countries yeah and he's one of those guys too he makes his money on top so i think not giving up a score in the middle of the middle of the mat against a guy like that because i mean i've seen him break a bunch of people's ribs it's kind of like it's kind of like and i know i'm skipping it forward to rutherford but it's kind of like him i think giving up that score early that guy is so good in parterre that it's you know it's just yeah. You get it, you get it, you get put down or you get on bottom, especially when you're a little bit dry. That's a that's a tough goal against that Armenian. But he did a good job there and you know dispatched Rivera in the semis and looked looked really good going into the finals. Now did Bajrang beat the Armenian in the Wrestlebacks in the Repisha? He must have. He must have. I didn't see it, 
Because I would not have predicted that because Bajering against Seabass, like his right leg was just susceptible all weekend. Whether it was Yanni shooting in or Seabass hitting those ankle picks, Bajering was having real trouble defending anything to his right leg. And he was yeah. his leg defense is I think he's he he relies on his chest strap a little bit too much. And he once he gets his hips, he almost wants you to shoot because his hips are so heavy mm-hmm. once you're in there. But the ankle pick and Yanni's shots were both kind of beating his hip defense pretty well so yeah no and I mean the Armenian relies a lot on his drag so I think that that's and and he hand fights really well um I actually saw them wrestle in in Russia two years ago when they were both training for the Olympics and it was Bajarang kind of controlled him a little bit with his hand fight you know it wasn't necessarily like you know there was a bunch of scoring but I remember him kind of pushing him around a little bit Mm-hmm. Everybody that wrestles Bajarang said he's a hand fighter. He should he'd be a three time in four time NCAA champ. <laughs> that dude is strong and can hand fight. So, so the Armenian is a Russian guy too. No, he's actually Armenian. I think. Okay. Man, he he just looked mean out there, and the fans were going ballistic after that that uh that match with Yanni. But yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the UWW website. It's like he didn't medal. See, so yeah, he must have got beat by Bajarang. But yeah, that that must have happened on the that first round of repetitions. Some some of those I missed because it's that first round of repetitions happens so early. So, so early. So I know I would wake up like three thirty and I look at USAW on Twitter. It's like Yanni and Ten. I'd go back to bed for forty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and then the, man, I got to tell you, this kid from Iran or Iran in the finals at sixty five. I'm sure you've known about him for a while. Man, what a what a beast! Twenty one yeah. years old. Yeah, I'm Amuzad Khalili. Um, he was real skinny, like kind of a skinnier kid, like I think maybe 61, maybe even 57 when he was cadet. I'm not really 100%, but it just seemed like this when he got a little bit of size on him. And man, he he changes directions from underhook so well, and he pressures so well, and he wrestles hard. You know, just I've never seen anybody time Yanni shots like that. I mean, after that first kind of initial sequence where there was. 30 points or however many points got yeah. put up. Uh, I'm not really sure. But uh, after that happened, I mean, Yanni was never even really close to being able to suck his leg in. And I mean, that just, that's the ability to just keep dropping your head and putting it in harm's way. And that's, that's a tough thing to do when a guy's shooting like Yanni, but um, yeah, no. And he, he went through the ringer. I mean, he, he went through that side and beat Muzakaya, beat Haji Aliyah, beat, a good, I think he'd be a pretty good Kazakhstan guy um, just with the same stuff like pressure. And then he, he's got that underhook whip. He does off of, you know, just gets mm-hmm. that underhook and he pressures so hard and he changes direction so fast with it. And he could do that when you're on your knees and he can also do it when you're on your feet and just, you can't settle in. He never gives you a break. He never gives you a chance to rest. And, you know, I think Yanni, Yanni will be better for having felt that, but there's just, there's not a lot of, he's probably never been wrestled at that pace in his life to to be able to replicate that. So I, I expect a different match and Yanni's unbelievable student of the sport. You know, I think, you know, listening to some of the stuff he says about, you know, the way he views the sport and views wrestling, you know, I think that he'll make some real clear, critical adjustments and, you know, kind of like Taylor did. And I expect him to be able to turn that match around. Man, we can, we can just jump to that one. David Taylor, had a great strategy going into that match holy smokes yeah yeah no and I I think I watched it 
um, watched it kind of a couple times. And I think the big thing was he kept his right hand back for the most part. But then when Yazdani would start to get an underhook, Taylor was doing this thing where he would drop his shoulder and like like pop his elbow. And I remember it was kind of early in the match. Yazdani had like kind of a shallow underhook. And Taylor did that and it popped his elbow and Yazdani actually kind of shook his arm. And then for the rest of the time, he didn't even really try to get an underhook as much. So I think just Taylor's Taylor's response to the underhook changed, and I think that changed the whole match. And I think it put Yazdani in panic mode, like, I'm not going to be able to just push this guy around with the underhook, you know. And I think he knows Taylor's so good in the other positions that they're going to get into. And Taylor just did a good job. You know, I felt like, I felt like it was a well – execute a game plan but I think that little part of it when he answered his underhook the way he did I think it just changed the game yeah and he was he was just you know vintage David Taylor super low on the ankles and a couple times yes Donnie looked like he was even a little slow at defending the, some of the low shots I mean it was like he, like you said he probably was in his head after he couldn't get the underhook because he did push David around a little bit at the beginning and then yeah he would do that circle and drop and then next thing you know he's in on the ankles again so now you yeah. can just imagine like Coach Casey and Coach Kale and Varner probably studying that Yazdani match over and over to come up with that game plan. Yeah, I, I heard in their last match, it was one of the coaches was yelling, like, get your right arm down, keep your right arm down. But you can't wrestle with your right arm down the whole match. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can't wrestle one-handed. So, I mean, at some point, your right hand's going to come up. And when it does, he's going to try to get his underhook because he's so quick there. Like, Yazdani doesn't get it, his underhook, from like he doesn't club and get it. He'll come from your elbow and he just throws his shoulder and he suddenly has it. So um, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's reasonable just to keep your arm down. So you have to have an answer once he actually has the underhook. And I think he's found the answer. You know, to be honest, I I think, you know, leaving that match, that felt like a hundred to nothing match to me. I mean, yeah. I don't know, like if it didn't feel like seven to one, it felt like seventy to one. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even didn't even look like he was close in that match. I mean, that's that's a yeah. tough one to, and it, you gotta you gotta tip your hat to David for wrestling in the worlds last year, six weeks after the Olympics. I I couldn't even imagine doing that, and I don't know why a lot of those guys did, but you know, even Sajulayev and you know Snyder got out there, but already they're already in shape. They got through the training cycle okay. You know, I mean, I know he was Olympic champ, but at the same time, like you're a wrestler and you only have so much years to do this you know like mm-hmm. like it's a world championship if you're healthy go you know go do it and I yeah. mean, obviously it was there was some advantage too with team usa as far as like making the team how little you would have to wrestle you know things like that and it pays for these guys to be medalists because now they now they don't have to wrestle to final x again so start on the other guys yeah no, that's a good point and the one guy who wasn't there at this weight nafanov he's traditionally been maybe like a a grade down from these two but i'd love to see him versus yazdani after after this world's yeah yeah no and i mean he's gotten better every time he's wrestled these other guys so i think he's definitely in that tier two right now but i wouldn't be surprised to see him in the tier one yeah just because he doesn't really open himself up you know he he's got to shore up a few things that he was kind of caught with he was caught in, in an arm bar a long time ago by Taylor, you know, and just got rolled around. I don't think that's going to happen again, but, you know, I think, I think he could keep it close enough to make it a match with those guys. And he would be in that same tier, I would think. So, yeah. yeah. And is Rashidov still the guy at 65 for Russia? 
No, it's uh, there's another guy just beat Rashid off. Now that you said it, I can't can't remember. He beat him in the kind of beat him. He beat him pretty soundly. They had a tournament um right before this, maybe a month or so, month or month or so before it. Um, can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, he beat he beat Rashid off, and Rashid off is. He looked good going into that match, but you know had some had some other questionable matches throughout the day. So it's kind of sad. It's like Ugoyev, like he's great, and I hope we see the best version of him the next time. But these guys are all getting older too, you know. Yeah. And they're getting older, and you know, Russia's got Russia's got a handful of really good sixty-five kilo young sixty-five kilo guys. So, man, that's that's a scary thought because. You look at just the depths, what impresses you. And at 65, you also didn't see Otoguru, but everything you hear is that he's coming back. So 65, next year is the worlds that I love because it's the qualifier for the Olympics. That's mm -hmm. when, like, it's just a bloodbath out there. So I can't wait yeah. to see all these guys. Yeah, and now they're taking away. So the two bronzes qualify, but then the two fifths have to wrestle a match to see who, because they only get one qualifier out of that. So man how how devastating or how intense that match is going to be is yeah. gonna be crazy just you call that true fourth or what do we call that <laughs> i guess fifth? Be, i just uh, i don't know it's so such a hard i feel i already feel bad for whoever loses that match and i don't even know anybody that's in it you know <laughs> uh, yeah do you think uh so we can round out some of the rest of these jaden you know really wasn't challenged until he wrestled Gasson poor in the finals from Iran. And then Jaden's going up right away next year. And he's totally committing to 97. So, you know, he hasn't been able to get past Snyder yet, but it's, that's exciting. And yeah, I, I think that's good for Snyder. I think, you know, that's Snyder needs to make a, make a, make a, make a big improvement. And I think having a guy like Cox behind him is going to, is going to make him do that. And not saying he doesn't work hard because he works harder than, any wrestler I've been in a room with, but at the same time, you know, I think when you know you've got a super athlete that's going to come at you from a bunch of different directions, it's going to it's going to make you do things that you might not have done when you just have to wrestle, you know, the same guy you've beaten a bunch of times, right. keep on Gatson or whoever. So, um, you know, I think, but that's what it's going to take to beat Sajid Live. It's going to take a, a big burst, and he's capable of doing it. So, you almost feel like the last time Sajid Live and Snyder wrestled you almost kind of felt like the same way you do after David and Yazdani wrestled this year. Exactly. Like exactly. it wasn't really close. No. And you, you just, you felt when Sajulayev relaxed and just wrestled that he could be a level above Snyder, which is scary because Snyder's one of the other best to have done it, you know? So, yeah. Um, but I believe in Kyle Snyder. I believe in his ability and his work ethic and things that he can do to, to bring himself to his level. So I'm excited. Yeah. 2024, Kyle Snyder is going to win the Olympics. Let's go. You heard it here, folks. At heavyweight, man, tip your hat to, to Hayden Zillner. You would have thought for sure that who beat him? I always forget to do. Um, was it Gino? Yeah. So, and then he wrestled. Gino wrestled this Mongolian who he's actually had troubles with in the past. The Mongolian, uh, he shoots a lot. The uh, Gino does, but the, the Mongolians just got super heavy hips and it's just really hard for him to finish on. And you just saw that kind of being a possibility. You didn't think it was going to happen. You thought, because honestly, I felt better about Zilmer versus the Mongolian than I did against 
I did for the Georgian versus the Mongolian, just because yeah. I felt like Zomer could go in there and hand fight with him, and you know he's he could really push the pace. He's not going to take a long shot to get sprawled on, but you know it's unfortunate. It's just bad bad place in the place in the bracket. But he wrestled wrestled lights out, and it's exciting to think about what he could do. You know, if he just keeps going and keeps getting bigger, so yeah. And Zaire versus Akul was crazy. That yeah. was a that was a fun little exchange at the end of that match. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe he shot like that was. And then he shot, and then he didn't. He like tried to finish right away, but then he was like, "All right, I'm just gonna hold on to his leg." And I'm telling you, I've seen that position a thousand times with heavyweights. When that heavyweight spins late he gets it because the leg is so big and sweaty. It almost always slips out like that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, yeah, it was heartbreaking. You felt bad for the Iranian, you know, good for the Turk. But, yeah. yeah. I, my heart was breaking for the Iranian fans. I love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You felt them that day. You felt them like really take the, take the body blow. Cause I think Zane uh, Rutherford had, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a weight we didn't talk about, but. Uh, Let's get into and, it. Yeah. I mean, he, what is what an improvement for Zane? Wrestled well, and I still think if he just doesn't give up that give up that score um, early, yeah, I think he can give up a score, but it just can't be early against that guy. That guy's partier is amazing. He was a Greco guy, going to go back to Greco after this. You know, he I saw he teched out Beck the Boltoff in the first round with gut wrenches. I mean, he's so. So, Wait, so he's already been a Greco guy because the chatter all week was that he's freestyle going to Greco. You're saying he's no, already been Greco. No, he went to the junior worlds and the cadet worlds, I believe, both in Greco. And then transferred over to freestyle. And his weight, he, you know, you look at his muscle, he's t- he's not short, he's probably too short to make 74 and probably too tall to make 65. 65. But 67 is manageable. So I could from what I understand, he's going to 67 Greco. Maybe it was a weight decision. I'm not really sure, but you know, obviously he can compete with most guys. But I think he probably sees that 67 Greco is probably an easier path to an Olympic medal. Maybe I'm not sure. So Greco is different weights. Greco is a different weight. Yeah. Got it. Okay. The two extra kilos, and that could be the difference. Now, talk about some of the guys who Zane beat on the way to the finals. Were they on your radar at all? He beat the uh, the European champ. Um, yeah, he beat. There was a a really good Armenian that I'd watched for a few years. I think his name's Andresen. Yeah, um, good, good, solid guy, and just he did a good job of of like really hand fighting him hard, and then he just disappears with that single leg, and there's just no way to react from it, you know. And I I felt like that Andresen is about as strong as seventy kilo there is, and he was getting kind of pushed around. I thought, man, this is this is his year, you know. This yeah. is this is the year he's going to do it. And just, you felt bad for him, but you know, that, that Japanese guy, <laughs> that lace was, that lace was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, Japan, they are so efficient at finishing their attacks. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just unique at their turns too. Like that. I'm, and I'm not saying Rutherford hasn't seen it, but I'm not a hundred percent. That wasn't a normal lace. You know, when you, when you drop your head in there, there's a different defense that goes to that. And it's not just I, – I felt like he was trying to attack his hands too much and he wasn't sitting back enough. And once you once you get your hips locked out, it doesn't matter if you have his hand or not. He's still controlling your legs and your hips as you're going. And I think you saw that in that first kind of half turn. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after that, I don't think he exposed with the first one. Hunter's the one who pointed that out to me. But um, 
And then after that, it was just, it was too late at that, at that point. Yeah, no, it's a, uh... It's crazy to think that he'll be forced to go either sixty-five or seventy-four. Gotta go sixty-five. It's just, it's you think just no so? Way. There's no way. I mean, I, I, I don't see it. I, his big advantage is he's strong, and he'll be as strong as most seventy-fours. But Dake is as a monster. He's a monster. Like I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how that would even look. Like how that, like standing next to each other. Like maybe, maybe I don't know. Do you think know, JB's it. going down? He's got to. Yeah. I don't, I don't see him going up, you know? So I think that'll be interesting too. I know, you know, I think they kind of controlled him and has a great game plan for him, but you know, you never know. JB looked good. JB was looking like 27 year old JB. Gosh, (laughs) man. He looked just, uh, yeah. And, and I wonder how hard a time Dake has making the weight because in his first match, he looked a little winded and that could just be, who knows? He hasn't, you know, is a tough cut or something, but he definitely had closer matches of anyone. And that's not totally unlike Dake, but, and I do think the Olympic weights are harder than the non-Olympic weights and probably more deep, but. Yeah. Those guys are forcing their bodies a little more to stay there. Right. You know, it is a little bit challenging. I know you do see him wrestle early in the day, way worse than you do. And when it's, when it's, and I'm not so hundred percent that like the final X prepares them for the world championships because they get, you know, some of them get four to five hours, maybe six hours before they wrestle at the final X. But, you know, I think, you know, you see them at the world championships two hours in and they look like a different person. They're just not, they're not the same. So uh, hopefully they kind of make some adjustments to the timeline and at least make those guys wrestle a little bit earlier. So it's a little more realistic. Yeah. Ogoya is one of those guys where he wrestles way better as the tournament goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's probably a lot of guys, but probably a lot of those guys, but you know, the bigger guys, obviously it's, it's a lot harder on them. So, yeah. And coach, I have a call at once. So we're going to only be able to talk worlds today. We'll have to do an Illinois one and uh Ironman one in, in a couple of weeks here, but let's do it. Let's, let's finish out. I got a couple ones for you. So we didn't see the great Gable Stevenson. We also haven't seen him in WWE. Do you think he comes back? I think he's back. I'm, I, and, and that's me. Let's as a go. Fan hoping, you know, like, that's me as a as a fan of wrestling saying, all right, you know, I he he didn't go right away, and there's got to be some good sign in that. And I I I'll be admitting. What do you know, coach? What do you I, know? I know? I know from my my cousin who is a huge WWF fan that <laughs> he didn't do something he was going to do, and that's just me crossing my fingers, being like, all right, he's back yeah. in wrestling. So, and I heard. Heard something about him wrestling just the first semester, maybe, and no one's gonna do that. He's not gonna come and wrestle duels for Minnesota. Like he lives under the lights, but you know, hopefully, hopefully he's back. We need him. Man, if he's a full time guy, he could put some medals up for the in the next ten years. I yeah, mean, and just you want to see him wrestle the Iranian. You want to see him re- like those are those are circle the calendar type matches, you know. So. I think as a wrestling fan, we just, we want guys like that. You know, I don't think anybody in his weight class wants him to come back, but yeah, you know, right. I definitely do. Yeah. hundred percent. We saw fix got beat out. He was a world silver medalist last year. Right. At yep. Oslo. Do you think, um, do you think we see Lee at 57 next year in the trials? I know that's you're, you're near and dear to that weight. Your guy, Zane Richards on the path, he's making strides, but do you see uh Lee coming back? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you hear things about, you know, I, I would say most people will start making their way down to their Olympic weight next year. Yeah. Just because you don't want to give, you don't want to give the advantage to the guy you're going to have to compete against. So um, if you're, if you're a guy um, like, like fix and you think, Hey, I could beat Gilman. Then I want to go down and beat Gilman in 2023. Cause I don't want Gilman to medal and get to sit out of the U S open and the world team trials, everything that I'm going to have to do at that time. So yeah. I think you'll see a lot of those guys make it down, but I mean, a lot of them guys are getting older, you know, like at the same time, like I know fix was having a hard time making weight and years ago at 57, like I'm not hundred percent how he makes it now. Like he's, he's so big. He's so lean when he gets down and, you know, Lee's body is the body of a 95 year old man. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's been cut on, he's been cut on. I saw a picture of his knees the other day. He looks like Frankenstein. So, I mean, I know, I know he's probably itching to get out there and, you know, compete and you know, hopefully we'll see them all. So, yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, we just want to see, you know, some of those matchups that everyone's been talking about since the cadet years when like, you know, Yanni and Spencer and all these guys were on the same cadet team and, you know, Odaguru was at the cadets that year. It's like, those are, this is that class coming up. So it's like some make it, some don't because of injury, but you know, 2024 is such a landmark Olympics because team USA has been basically the same since 2017, 2018, you know, yeah, we'll have a big turnover now, huge In turnover. 2024, you'll see half of them gone. I'm yeah. Not- if, 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 if half stay, I don't think even half. So. Yeah. And, and last question, I, I probably already know the answer to this one is our man. Imar is he full-time coach or is he a comeback in the works for our friend? Imar? Uh, he's full-time coach right now, but uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put him past him. He's going to start, he's going to start wrestling a little bit. And, Come on, Imar. You know, Come on, training, baby. Training with guys. And then, uh, you know, you never know the, the competition bug might hit him at the during that 2024 run, and you just never know. So you can't, wouldn't put him past him right now. He's doing a great job with the Illinois guys, and you know he's got a good camaraderie with the crew, and you know doing an amazing job as a coach. But you know, you never know. Yeah, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of JB in that camo singlet, and it just took me back to that series. And I'm like, dude, the intensity for that series must have been off the charts. Yeah, no, it was. It was one of those things pretty special to be around it. So Yeah. Well, Coach, thank you so much. We'll have you back on in a few weeks to chat Illini and college wrestling. Awesome. Great. Thanks, man. See you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Brian Medlin. This episode was sponsored by Spartan Combat, who's hosting a tournament in Vermont October 16th. If you're in the Vermont area, go to SpartanCombat.com to register. It's taking place Sunday, October 16th in Castleton, Vermont. And that's it, folks. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.